Hi, and welcome to Office Hours, the broadcast of Westminster Seminary, California, that takes you inside the seminary. I'm Scott Clark. This summer is Alumni Summer on Office Hours, as we'll be talking with a number of graduates from Westminster Seminary, California, about where they are now and what the Lord is doing through them. Today, we're talking with Fikret Bocek, a 1998 graduate of Westminster Seminary, California, and a Reformed church planter in Izmir, Turkey. The congregation he has planted is just about a year old. We talked with him last summer. Hi, Fikret, and welcome to Office Hours. Thank you, Dr. Clark. It's great to be here. First of all, tell us uh, where you're serving. Well, we are in Izmir, Turkey, and uh, planting a church in uh, in the town of Izmir. There are about uh, four million people living there. Uh, Izmir is the uh, the ancient city of Smyrna, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we're we're working there and. Uh, doing evangelism and church planting. And so when people see the word Smyrna in mm-hmm. their New Testament, then they, they ought to think of Izmir. And where geographically is that located in Turkey? Where If they were looking in their New Testament map or if they're looking at a modern uh, map of Turkey, where would they look? Well, in the in Asia Minor, it's uh, on the uh, at uh, the west coast of Anatolia, Asia okay. Minor. Uh, when you look at the Greek islands, we are on the east of the Greek islands and right in the center of the Aegean region. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Uh, and and how did you come to faith? Well, I was born in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, I'm uh, originally from Istanbul. Uh, my um, parents and their grandparents, uh, they're originally from Thessalonica, Salonika, okay. from the Ottoman migration to Istanbul. But I grew up in Istanbul and uh, heard the gospel uh, first time uh, in Istanbul. I grew up as a Muslim, as a Sunni Muslim, mm. not knowing anything about Christ. I had read the Quran once, and I uh, thought that Christ was not crucified, as the Quran had mentioned. And one day I saw a movie, Ben-Hur. It's, uh, it was shown in, a, in the Turkish national TV. There was just one channel at that time. And uh, they used to show one movie a week. And uh, that week they showed Ben-Hur. And, you know, towards the end of Ben-Hur, Christ is crucified. Yeah. Um, I had some questions. I thought it was part of the fiction. And yeah. I wanted to meet a Christian and ask, see how they believed about the crucifixion. Okay, so you, you see Charlton Heston, you see the film. And how did you find a Christian? Where, where did you go? What did you do? Well, after seeing the movie, I, I um, immediately, well, the next day, I knew an Englishman, and I assumed that all Westerners west of Turkey, starting from Greece and all the way to France and America and you know, all those countries, I thought, there are, surely all Westerners are uh, Christians and, yeah. and all Middle Easterns are Muslims. So yeah. um, I thought, well, first Westerners, Westerner I talked to, I'll ask them about uh, whether they have a Bible and um, how they believe about this cross. And I met this Englishman and I asked him. He was offended. He was offended that I thought that he was a Christian. Now, he was not a Muslim. <laughs> he was not a Christian. But he was offended that you just assumed that he was a Christian. Yes. Oh, yes. Interesting. And uh, well, well, I realized that not all Westerners are Christians. Yeah, welcome to the secular West. So, well, that was my first try to get information about what Christians believed. Well, I went to um, a bookstore. It was a pretty big store in Istanbul. 
looked for a Bible there and uh, uh, or any book uh, written about Christianity. Uh, only books I could find were books written by Muslims mm. against uh, Christianity, but couldn't find anything written by Christians, mm. uh, couldn't find a Bible. This was in 1987, uh, May or June of 1987. Uh, well, after that, I, uh, I went to a library and uh, looked for information at the library. The only thing I could find, uh, well, two, two books. Encyclopedia Britannica was one, and uh, that would say that Jesus was crucified. Mm-hmm. Another book that I found was uh, written by a, a French historian saying that Jesus was crucified. It, it was a book hmm. on the history of Roman Empire. I started thinking, you know, why does the Quran say that he's not crucified? And why is the, uh, why are the historians and the encyclopedias are saying that Jesus was crucified? So it was the beginning uh, steps for me. But I could not uh, meet a Christian. Yeah. It's so, interesting that the cross is where you're starting. And it's interesting that, that the cross is this stumbling block in a sense, the point of, of controversy. Now, growing up in the mosque, were you taught that Jesus was not placed on a cross? Yes. Now, yes. Jesus was not placed on a cross. To his followers and to the Jews, it appeared to be so, uh, but it was somebody else in his oh, place. That's sub- what the Quran says. The substitution theory. Yes. Is it the case that some Muslims believe in a swoon theory as well? I mean, that's what I've read. Uh, yes, some Muslims uh, believe that Jesus was taken up into heaven uh, before the crucifixion took place. But uh, they they will also say, uh, but there was somebody on, in his place. Uh, There's no name, but it's yeah. assumed that it's the one who betrayed him. Oh, Judas. Yes. Now, is this, and you'll have to forgive my ignorance, is this something that's uh, held in uh, all or most of the Muslim sects, or all all, all Muslim sects. Okay, yes. so there's no distinction between Sunni and Shia or, um, uh, on Sun- this point. No, uh, Sunni and Shiite or Shafi or Alevite distinctions would be more on the practical side. Oh, uh, but on the uh, more like on uh, um, this is uh, uh, they would say it's the it's the historical fact. Um, mm. So that Jesus was not. Crucified. They would also say that there was an agreement between Judas and Jesus. Uh, not Ju- well. They don't use the name Judas. They sure. just the one who was crucified in his place. Uh, that Jesus would not go, and his follower, uh, who appeared to betray him, would go on his place. So, so the Jesus of Islam is really, in some ways, a deceiver. Did he, he actively participated in a in a kind of deception? Um, no, they would not. They they would not say that he's a deceiver. He they call him Ruhullah, yes. the the spirit of Allah, the oh. spirit of God, Interesting. Uh, or Kalamullah, the 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 word of God, uh, and that, so they uh, hold him uh, in respect and talk about him respectfully. So uh, the word deception, they yeah, they would not. But are, but are they implying that he participated in some kind of deception by by the scheme of yes. having a substitute? So there's a sense in which he gets formal honor, as you say, in the way that he's described. And, I, I'm, and I'm aware that he's uh, considered a prophet. Mm-hmm. You're searching for Christian sources, having difficulty finding them, looking for a Christian somewhere. 
to explain to you the Christian doctrine uh, of the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing you can find is the Encyclopedia Britannica and a French uh, history text. Yes. So what happened next? Well, the next was, uh, well, I thought, well, I should go to a church. But I was, uh, you know, as uh, for in high school and uh, colleges, uh, they teach uh, against Christianity and Christians, hmm. um, that, you know, the Turks fought against Christians. Turks fought against uh, the Russians, the uh, British, and the French. And and if you look at Luther and Calvin, they they write yes, against uh, the on Turk. Turks and yeah. <laughs> against the Turks. And the Pope is Antichrist uh, spiritually, and Turks are Antichrist uh, physically. Yeah, um, I, I believe Luther said that. And and, would, uh, and of course, by that they they don't necessarily mean well. They do mean Turks as as a nationality, but it's really just a a synecdoche. I mean, they're using Turk as a as a way of describing Muslims. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Interesting. And uh, so the idea of going to a church as a Turk it just feels like you're you're a traitor. Yeah. So, but I just was going to get information. Sure. Uh, there was a church in the center of the city. Um, I went over there, knocked on the door. Uh, well, you know, there's this. Uh, opening right at the eye level oh interesting they opened it and uh i asked them if i can come in and ask some questions and they said well you know the the meetings they have the the ritual is um on sundays and um and only members can come in and it was a greek orthodox church Uh and they did not let turks in sure so i couldn't go in there was no way um i could find a, a christian in 1987 um, How many Christians do you estimate there were in in Turkey in 1987? Um, in 1988, I know there were 80 Christians, mm. just 88. So, in 87, probably a little less than that. So there's, a, I mean, a statistical problem. You, you, at that point, in 87, 88, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Yes, in a, a 70 million population, you're looking for... One so, of the 80. So do the math, yeah. Yes. Well, the 80 that I'm talking about is actually um, the converts mm-hmm. from Islam, Turkish converts. Okay. So, well, I couldn't get any information. Yeah. Um, a couple months later, I met an American couple in an area of Istanbul. I didn't know they were uh, Americans, but I thought they were Germans, they were in an area of Istanbul where they were not supposed to be. They were hmm. um, leaning on a mausoleum, the Mehmet the second the, who conquered Istanbul, or uh-huh. well, Greeks say invaded. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that was his mausoleum, and yeah. you know, a sacred place. So you can't typical walk. American behavior abroad. You know, violating a sacred space. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> well, they were. Well, first I saw them leaning there, and yeah. that's something you can't really do. No. Uh, but it's okay, you know, you can give them a warning. But I realized that they were just wearing shorts and t-shirts and yeah. thought, well, that's something you should not do. Yeah. And when I got closer, I saw that they were just eating their sandwich. And that's, that's they were you, know, you, can, you can be lynched. I went over there and asked them, Sprechen Sie Deutsch? And <laughs> they said, no, uh, we are from Dallas. And <laughs> so... In the 17th century, John Bunyan gave us the character, Mr. Valiant for Truth. In the 20th century, God gave us another Mr. Valiant for Truth, J. Gresham Machen, the founder of Westminster Seminary. The spirit of Machen lives on at Westminster Seminary, California. 
where, for 30 years, we've been fulfilling his vision of training men for ministry and preparing them to be expert in the Bible. WSCAL.edu, 888-480-8474, Westminster Seminary, California, for Christ, His Gospel, and His Church. And? Well, and... um... I told them, hey, you uh, you guys are in trouble. You can't be here. And you know, let me take you to a more touristic place. And yeah. uh, I explained to them why. And so anyway, we, we went to a, just near the Blue Mosque and Hagia Sophia in that area. Went to a yeah. cafe and we just started talking. I found out that they were on, on their honeymoon. Oh, interesting. Uh, and uh, they wanted to show me some photos. And he opened yeah. his backpack and as he opened his backpack, you know, it's odd sure. looking inside somebody's backpack. Yeah, yeah. But I saw this book called yeah. The Niv. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the NIV. The NIV. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't read it that way. It just yeah. said The Niv. Yeah, and yeah. I was trying to read the what it said underneath. And The Niv, what is this, The Niv? You probably um, thought it was Hebrew or something or... <laughs> Some um, transliterated Arabic or something on on the um, uh, the history of the Niv people. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And I saw the the word study Bible, and I uh, well that was um, I thought this was the Bible of the Christians, but I thought well they're they're on their honeymoon, they're not gonna walk you know walk around with a thick book like this, especially with the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I asked them, are you? Uh, are you Christians? Like I, I was thinking, I was yeah, going to get yeah. the same response I got from this Englishman. Yeah. They said, "Yes, yes, we go to church every Sunday, and we love uh, what we do. You know, we just we we believe." And yeah. uh, and I asked him, what, "What was Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus was crucified on the cross?" Absolutely. Uh, well, do you believe that it's a historical fact? Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, well. I asked them if I could just look at their book. Yeah. And they took it and put it on my hand. Well, you can't, you know, as a Muslim, you can't yeah. just touch a sacred book. Yeah. Uh, you have to go through a ritualistic washing. And, you know, you can imagine what was going um, through, your mind, through yeah. my mind. And, okay, well. I've just defiled the sacred book. <laughs> or defiled myself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I opened the book. And, I, you know, in the Muslim world, Muslims, even scholars, uh, at the Muslim seminaries, will say that the Bible is just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's a misunderstanding that comes from early 1800s uh-huh. when the missionaries first started going to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the Middle Eastern countries were Ottoman Empire at that time, Turkey. Yeah. Um, they came with the translation of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in Arabic, yeah. in Turkish. Uh, in Greek, in Armenian, in, in different languages that they um, prepared it for. And so the, the mindset, I mean, the, the understanding settled as the Bible is just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm. The Quran talks about the Torah, the writings, the, the Psalms, and the, the Gospels, but it also talks about other writings in the uh, Injil, the Gospels. That doesn't go into details of Paul. Um, but looking at it, I realized that it's not, I just could not find Matthew. I saw uh, Malachi, I just went all the way to, you know, the yeah. Old Testament. What is this? And, uh, well, they said, this is the Old Testament. Yeah. 
what do you mean old testament and you know all these and so i asked them a couple questions and i realized that i know nothing about this book and i just asked them to summarize it for me um so it all started there (laughs) Uh, how how long did it take them to summarize 66 (laughs) books actually when i asked them if they could summarize it they well this man said yeah sure what a a marvelous providence and he opened uh genesis 1 1 and started reading in the beginning god created heavens and the earth and just kept reading and I'm looking at him and I thought, did I say summarize or read? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, this could be a long conversation, yeah. Yes, well, I, ask, I asked him uh, as he was reading the first chapter, um, are you going to read everything or, uh, like, I don't really have a lot of time yeah. here. Um, <laughs> Can you give me the condensed version, yeah. Yes, um, well... He said, no, it's, I'm just going to read the first three chapters. He was establishing the fact yeah, that yeah. it is God who created heavens and the earth and everything in it, and Adam and Eve, and how they disobeyed God, and that they were in need of repentance. And uh, they looked at me. Uh, well, this man said, you are a sinner. I thought, well, I know. I know, I'm a sinner. Oh, interesting. You, know, you knew that already. Well, Muslims will use the, the same word, sin, yeah. and call it gunah or hata or hata, mm-hmm. uh, just like the Hebrew, hata. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, the word is the same, but concept Not is totally different. Yeah. Um, Muslims believe that sin, well, first of all, they don't believe in the original sin. They believe that Sin comes at the age of accountability, hmm. 13, 14, sometimes 15. But it never, never originates from within you. It always comes from outside. There, there is some Gnosticism in Islam that mm, came yeah. from Nasturians. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad's um, wife's uncle hmm. was a Nasturian priest who did not br- believe in the Trinity. And he heard most of his stories from him. So you get, like, for example, well, if you touch this table mm-hmm. or this microphone or this rock, the, the evil in the rock may pass on to you and it will affect you and you will sin because of that. But there is this thing called island of righteousness in you and you can always clear the evil that affects you. So Muslims believe that they can do something. So uh, it's always cl- cleansing cleaning. Mm-hmm. There's no salvation. There's no need for salvation. There's desire to go to heaven or yeah. paradise. So when they told me, just looked at me in the eye and said, you are a sinner. I thought, well, I know. I know I'm a sinner. But they started explaining, you know, you're a sinner because uh, of Adam. And I mean, that was something I did not get. I mean, I understood what they were saying, but it was I had never heard of that concept before. Mm. Many missionaries make this mistake of going to Turkey uh, or other Middle Eastern countries and just talk to people and just assume that, oh, they can just become Christians like this and, yeah. you know, really fast and, and tell them to repent and accept their sin. And, and the way they uh, see it as, you know, just the way Muslims would see it, yeah. without understanding uh, that you are a sinner because of Adam, because you disobeyed God. 
and your and uh, repentance you you cannot become a christian mm. after uh, they shared with me um, they started telling me uh, about christ that jesus died on the cross as the lamb of god well they were using terminology like the lamb of god yeah. his blood is shed for you and um, up until that time as a muslim i used to sacrifice a lamb oh. every year believing that the blood of the lamb would cover my sins for one year. But, you know, the sins that I commit, like uh, the, the evils that affect me, sure. and my good work would be cut that lamb yeah, and yeah. take the blood uh, and put it on my forehead, on my doorpost, on my car, or just uh, sure. and believe that that blood would cover me. And just before one year is over, not exactly 365 days, but... Yeah. Maybe 350 days so you later. Keep your insurance policy up, up yes, to date. Yeah. Yes, insure ourselves and uh, do the uh, sacrifice again. After we talked a little bit, they said there is this Dutch church in the in the city, in Istanbul. They found out about it in the newspaper. It was for the visitors, for tourists, for... An, inter- um, an international church. International church. Yeah. English speaking, an international church in Istanbul, international Dutch church in English. Uh-huh. That's uh, I, they said they are going. They wanted to invite me and said, "Well, I, I'd love to come. Uh, is it open to Turks?" And they said, "It's international. Everyone can come." <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to go, but there was this um, fear. What if I go in there and they do something? Yeah, yeah. So I said, "Well, I'll I'll invite a friend of mine who uh, who's a." strong guy and um, I accepted their offer to go to church with them on Sunday but I invited this friend this friend was preparing for Olympics uh, as a Turkish wrestler Uh, big guy uh, the plan was if we got in trouble he could push his way out and I would just hide behind him and we would just run out (laughs) it didn't happen that way but well well, that's um, good yeah (laughs) (laughs) we ended up at the at the church and uh, we sat uh, in the middle and I just didn't want anyone sitting behind me I went all the way back made sure the wall was behind me and felt safe I do not know what the sermon was about I was busy watching people this is Christians this is what they do this is how they worship. Well, when I did worshiping at the mosque, I would just do the, the special moves and uh, the ritualistic movements and bowing and getting up and uh, and doing the special prayers at special moments. And I'm looking at Christians, they're standing up, sitting down, standing up and sitting down. And so we're doing the same thing with them so yeah, we don't yeah. offend them and yeah. just watching them. And um and at the end of the service, I was introduced to a German missionary. Well, they didn't say he's a missionary. They just yeah. said, well, he's a German language teacher, and he is going to a Turkish Bible study. And I went, well, he invited me to this Bible study, and we, we went. And at, at this study, I realized that there were about 10 other Turks who, who were Turkish, and they were converts from Islam. Up until that moment... I thought I was the only Turk who inquired information about Christianity. I had never heard of any other Turk who had become a Christian or even had a Bible. At this Bible study, they gave me a Turkish New Testament, and I started reading it. A week later, I went back with questions and started going to their Bible studies on Wednesdays, and I even was going to their prayer meetings. I wasn't praying. I was just sitting there and and I was listening them uh, pray, and I thought, 
they would pray in um, Latin or Greek, or and they would just keep saying the same things, like a, a, a set memorized prayers like the Muslims do. Yeah. Uh, and I was hearing them pray in, in Turkish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at one point in one of the meetings, one stopped and said, excuse me, what was your name? And I thought, oh no, Allah's not going to accept your prayer now. <laughs> you, know, you just stopped and defiled yeah. your prayer. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I attended this fellowship, this Turkish church plan. I was also going to the morning service at the Dutch uh, chapel for about 10 months. And I had many questions, uh, some theological questions, some sociological questions, or some practical, like, why do you do this? Why do you worship the way they the way you do. Why don't you do it like this? And But over time, all my questions were answered. I, my main problem was the Trinity. I just kept saying that, well, Christ never claims that he is, uh, he is God. But, you know, over time, I, I realized that, you know, as I was reading one of the Gospels, I realized that, well, he uh, did claim uh, to be God. And the way I took it was, um, well, the Pharisees, I thought would be the uh, experts of whether he claimed to be God or not. Uh, And the Pharisees uh, claimed that he claimed to be God. And that's why they wanted to crucify him and kill him. Well, there wasn't a a moment like, you know, I I can't say, you know, five months later or 10 months later, uh, this specific event took place in my life. And then I became a Christian. But it was it was a 10 month process. And at the end, I knew that there was nothing else left. I knew uh, that I loved the Lord and I did not want to disobey him and I wanted to follow him. But the idea, I I just kept resisting the idea of becoming a Christian. Can I remain a Muslim but go to the church? It just wouldn't happen. You're looking for ways to negotiate, really, a, a sort of a settlement between culture and Christ, between Islam and Christianity. Yes, yes. Um, I didn't want to tell my friends that I had become a, a Christian. And, and I had, even though I resisted it, even though whenever I, when, when I realized that I am actually enjoying as I'm reading the Gospels or the Old Testament or the New Testament, just, and I would just push it away yeah. and stay away from it for a couple of weeks. And I would even, I made decisions saying, I'm not going to go to the church again. I'm not going to go to the Bible study or prayer meetings. But the next week, I would be, I would be back at the church and listening mm-hmm. to the sermon. And so I, I was drawn, even yeah, though I was yeah, resisting that's, it. That's the verb that kept running through my head. I mean, this yes. is the story of a fellow who's being drawn to Christ. Yes. As you're giving this story, I'm thinking how central to everything that happened to you uh, are the facts of Christianity. I mean, it's interesting that your inquiry began not around your experience, but around the facts, the historical facts of Christianity. And then the the obstacle that you had to overcome was not only finding the facts and finding someone who would tell you the facts, but but finding the, the, the source, uh, Scripture, and then getting to grips with the teaching of Scripture and the doctrine of Scripture. I think when we think about people coming to faith, and particularly when we think about missions and reaching Islam, I have the sense sometimes that we don't always think about those things, and yet those are the central things at the basis of your story, really. Yes. You know, as I did, you know, about 10 months later, I'm saying that I I did become a Christian, but there was this fear with a question like, what if, what if the police or my Mm -hmm. friends find out that I'm a Christian? What 
will happen. And I did not want to be persecuted. And I was a new Christian. And when someone becomes a Christian in Turkey, that the fear comes with it. And you battle with it. And it doesn't go away right away. It takes a year, two years. In my case, from February of 1988 until October of '88, uh, I was just... Even going to church, I would sure. just take different public transportation and not go direct from yeah. that street. I would just go from the, the bottom street and mm. just in case if somebody's following and uh, knowing that I'm going to church, I, I just did not want anyone to know. Well, one day in October, there was uh, arrests of mm. all Christians in the country. The Turkish state thought uh, or believed that we were uh, an immediate danger to the state. Mm. 80 Christians in 1988. The modern missions movement to, to Turkey started in 1960. There were two Christians in 1960. Uh, from 60 until 88, 80 Christians. Mm -hmm. Well, they after church, we went to a friend's house and there was a raid there and the police came and mm -hmm. picked us up and uh, I was taken to um, an anti-terror interrogation building. And uh, well, the first day uh, when we went in, we didn't know why they arrested us, but we were thinking, well, it's because we're Christians when we were asking around, hey, did you give a Bible to yeah. someone, you know, without... Checking uh, to see who they yeah. were, yeah. I was taken into this room, and there were a couple of policemen, and they were just asking questions. They were really nice. Just mm. gave me some Turkish tea and cookies, and I thought, oh, great. You know, they're going to let me go. Muslim hospitality. Yes. Uh, they were very hospitable and smiling, and I thought, okay, there must be a misunderstanding here. Okay, they're going to let me go. And and uh, they said, Fikret, we heard that you became a Christian, a traitor. How could that be? You are you are a, a Turk. Yeah. Uh, you're coming from the Ottoman lines. You're coming from not only from that line, but from Salonika, where Ataturk is from. Uh, you're a pure Turk, and a Turk cannot become a Christian. We'll give you an opportunity to get out of here. And just here is a prayer. Yeah. And you know what it is. Yeah. All Muslims know. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger prophet. If you say this, you can walk out of here. Think about it. You know, sometimes we talk about bravery stories and, hey, you know, if this happens to me, I will stand for the Lord. And, well, I realize that I have no strength or power to stand for the Lord, but the Lord is faithful. At that moment, the fear that I had just crippled me. I could not uh, stand for the Lord. And I was about to say, there is no God but Allah. And Muhammad is his messenger prophet. I could not open my mouth. I just physically couldn't open my mouth. It was just shut and I was trying. And it was not an emotional moment or, uh, or that I intentionally was shutting my mouth. I was trying to say that Islamic <laughs> prayer. It just did not happen. Uh, yeah. as, as this was going through my mind, I, I remembered uh, this German missionary had told me a story, and it was the, the Polycarp's story and how yeah. Polycarp was arrested by the Romans. That's what was going through my head. Is yes. It, uh, I would say uh, Polycarp, the fellow Cimmerian, he planted the church there, and, well, I believe he planted the church there. He was or the bishop of Smyrna, and uh, the Romans arrested him, and they, they were about to burn him alive at the stake, and they asked him to deny Christ and worship the Roman gods. Uh, well, he said, for 86 years, 
Christ did not deny me, and I will not deny him now. At that time, I, I started thinking, these guys, these policemen have no idea, uh, no idea uh, about my faith. They think it's that easy. They think that it's up to me to give it up. I remember feeling sorry for them. And also, there was this change of fear of the police, fear of pain, mm. and it shifted to fear of God. I would not uh, give up my faith. I would not deny Christ. And I was put in a, in a cell. I stayed there for 10 days. There were beatings. There were just uh, vulgar talk. You know, they just come and sure. um, yell at you, hit you, and cuss, and... And uh, there was some specialized torture, electrocution. And, you know, if you ask me today, would you change it to anything? I would not want any other, you know, well, I wouldn't say I wish I was never arrested, but I'm glad that it happened. It was providential. It really strengthened my faith. We should send a thank you card to the Turkish police. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without, without a return address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, about 10 days later, the European Union sent someone, Sir Catherwood was oh, his last yeah. name, from England. He came to Ankara, t- talked with the Turkish prime minister and asked them to release the Christians. And the prime minister said, there are no Christians in prison. Hmm. Uh, and the same day we were released. By the t- before Sir Catherwood left Turkey, Christians were out on the streets again. But as I said, the number were, was 80. Yeah, And... I was thinking that, oh, no, the number is going to go down now. Then this is the number in the whole country. Uh, our church was about maybe 10, 12, around there. But the numbers started growing. Now, from 1960 till 1988, this intense missionary work, we had 80. Uh, from 1988, after this arrest, mm-hmm. uh, until 1991, the numbers went up to 200 just in a couple of years. But it also uh, is a time when the New Testament was published and was made available. So it's not just the arrest and the persecution, but also the uh, the New Testament going out. You know, sometimes people ask, ask so what can we do? Uh, how can we pray against persecution? Uh, and we, we always say, don't. Don't pray against persecution. Pray for perseverance. Pray for strength. Uh, don't pray for persecution, but uh, it's something that I recommend for America, though. Uh, that kind of uh, uh, straight persecution, uh, it really strengthens the church and builds the church. Uh, what do you estimate now to be the Christian population in Turkey today? Let me um, answer it in like two ways. Church attendance mm-hmm. uh, is 2,600 today, okay. and non-attendance is probably about that many. We we had a little over a hundred conversions at our church, uh, just Muslim, Sunni Muslim or Alawite Muslim mm-hmm. conversions. But converting uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they will attend the church. The worldview is so different. Going to church is not a part of their life or culture. Uh, they cannot explain it to anybody, even to themselves. It takes, for an average convert, start regularly attending. It takes about two or three uh, years. Uh, and sometimes they, they never do. Like, there are some Christians in Pergamum. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 
uh, praying and targeting um, Pergamum uh, for a church plant. There are about 60, 70,000 uh, people living there and no church, several mm-hmm. believers, but uh, they're not, uh, it's about an hour and a half north of Smyrna. Um, I drive there and meet with uh, some Christians there, but the, even the Christians don't want to meet with each other, thinking that, you know, the other Christian may tell the police or or their neighbor or somebody. And so they're, uh, it's, you know, back to 1987 for, for those towns. And, and I'm thinking of the book of Hebrews, too. I mean, facing some of the very same kinds of pressures that the early Christians faced. And mm-hmm. you can see why the writer to the Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together when you've got these strong external pressures and internal pressures working against uh, forming congregations and just the as you say the the inherent distrust in meeting with with other people who who call themselves Christians maybe they're mm-hmm. not a Christian maybe they're a spy or now you're you're pastoring in Izmir and your congregation gathers uh, every week for Lord's Day services, preaching the word and administering the sacraments. And you recently obtained a facility, you were telling me uh, yes. just yesterday, a, a fantastic facility at a very uh, reasonable cost. Clearly, your congregation is not underground. And when I asked you about this the other day, you, you said something very interesting, and I wonder if you'd repeat that. Uh, we're, we're actually, uh, we used to be underground. We used to just... Uh, ourselves and we had a lot of security measures before we brought somebody to our church but you're meeting at a home and uh, or, or even a rented facility somewhere and not even telling the landlord who you are at the time you realize that you're, you're just not getting anywhere you're not growing you're not able to tell your neighbor that you're yeah. a Christian we also realized that there was some opening with Turkey uh, wanting to be a part of European Union and mm-hmm. giving some freedoms to non-Muslims, freedoms, actually not giving freedoms, but tolerating sure. Christians. Now, our church uh, is meeting in that facility as a, as a church, not a legal church. We're an illegal uh, entity. Mm-hmm. We're tolerated is, by now, the police. Is doing this interview going to place you in any increased jeopardy than you're already in? Um, I would not done this if not that it would be for me. Okay. I'm sure some people in Turkey will be listening to this, but... Mm. Uh, that is that is great. If people in Turkey are listening to this, please go to Injil.info. The whole Bible is there. Mm. So just a side note, no, but go ahead. Um, <laughs> That's why we're here. Um, we decided to rent a facility first, and we realized that there are so many people who want information, even just to come and tell us that you are wrong. Sure. You are. You know, book is corrupt. We had this Hezbollah man come to us. He's, he's planning to join Hezbollah as a, a guerrilla fighter, preparing in his medical studies and to help Hezbollah. Uh, I gave him a Bible and he was reading it. So he got a. I gave the Bible to somebody else and he got it from some from mm. uh, his friend. But as uh, he was reading it, he was looking for corruption. Uh, it took him about eight months to to read the whole Bible, and uh, every time I met with him, he was just angry and not smiling at all and uh, always trying to um, prove that the Bible is a corrupt book. But uh, by the end of Revelation, he came to me and said, I found the biggest corruption, and he had Mm -hmm. tears in his eyes, and and he said, my heart is corrupt. Mm -hmm. I am corrupt. Well, from that uh, moment on, uh, weeks later, hmm. he was converted. Oh, he found out he didn't have an island of righteousness. <laughs> That's right. At least not inside himself. 
And eventually he figured out, you told him, and he learned that there, there is an island of righteousness, right, uh, outside of us. <laughs> yes, so. yes. Uh, and, uh, well, of course, the, his parents, his brothers, uh, his friends wanted to kill him. We hid him for about uh, two years, and he's fine now. But things like this, when you're above ground, when you're not underground, when you're visible, uh, there is danger. You sure. can be killed. Um, you can, you will be persecuted. You will be sought after as a, you know, as an enemy. When I asked you about this, your response was, I, I have a will. I put my affairs in order. Yes. So you're, you're not talking through your hat. You're talking about something that's a real possibility. Yes. And, uh, yes. and you've made, and you've made a mature calculated decision to serve Christ by being Christians openly, making, uh, the gospel available to uh, everyone and, and anyone in, in uh, Izmir. Now, while things have improved uh, dramatically because, as you say, the, the entrance of Turkey into the EU uh, and other, perhaps other factors, it's not as if pressure and uh, danger has gone away. There was a very unhappy event in 2007 in, in the city of Mal- uh, Malatya. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Three Christians were martyred, a group of... Um, ostensibly Muslim folks who were interested in talking about Christianity. And as it turns out, they weren't interested in, in asking questions. They were interested in forcing these three Christians to say the same uh, Muslim prayer of conversion back to Islam that, um, that you were asked to, to, uh, to say. Now, there is a, a full-length, high-quality uh, movie or video on this episode that people can see, and uh, I, I have it on my computer, and I believe it's online, right? Is it is it at Voice it, of the Martyrs? Yes, Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, you can go in there and ask them about the martyrdom video okay. uh, in Turkey. All right, so Voice, so they can find that online. Voice of the Martyrs. It's on the web, and uh, they want to. And you're looking for the video about uh, Malatya and the hmm. the martyrdom of the three Christians in uh, in 2007 so that's something that you you recommend that that people see maybe they can show it to to uh bible studies youth groups or or what have you uh, yes uh, th- this is something that people need to know well as we begin to wrap up a little bit i, I just want to touch on uh, on your connection with the seminary so you it wasn't really very many years after you uh, came to faith and that you found yourself at westminster seminary california yes uh, what when did you come and uh, and for what purpose well, I came uh, in 1995, and uh, I was looking, uh, well, before 95, in 93, I, I was studying linguistics uh, at the University of Aegean, the, the Aegean University in Izmir, and linguistics and uh, philology. Someone gave me uh, some Jonathan Edwards books, mm-hmm. and that's um, how I was first introduced to a more orderly theology. And I started reading his books, and especially the book on the free will. When I came to uh, America, I was looking for a seminary that Jonathan Edwards would choose. I knew about Fuller and Talbot in Southern California, and I, I went over there and and I was asking them about uh, their stance, and, and I would ask, you know, would Jonathan Edwards choose to go here? Well, I, I remember one, I won't give you his name, but one of the uh, professors said, well, you know, uh, we have a lot of disagreements, but um, he said he probably would, but we, we don't agree with this or this, you know, a couple of uh, uh, doctrinal position. And, and well, I thought, well, probably would not feel comfortable there. I didn't know much about they thought, but I when I saw that, 
they had an issue with, I believe it was infallibility. Was that infallibility? Yeah. Yes. Inerrancy. Yeah. Yes. In- inerrancy of scripture. Then, uh, I, well, I went to uh, Talbot and um, talked with um, one professor there. He said that Jonathan Edwards would choose to go to Westminster uh, Seminary in California. Okay, well, what is that place? Where is that place? Where, where is uh, where is Escondido? And uh, uh, we're, well, we're just north of San Diego, about twenty minutes north <laughs> of San Diego, just off I fifteen. In case you're looking for us, yes. Um, my um, my wife's parents lived in San Diego. We uh-huh. went and visited them, and we met a, a pastor in Escondido, and he said, uh, "Well, you know, there's a seminary." called Westminster in Escondido. And I said, well, you're the second person who told me about the seminary, and I have to go and see the seminary. And I came in, and uh, I remember meeting um, uh, Dennis Johnson, and I asked him questions about, so do you believe in infallibility and inerrancy? And uh, he gave me a long speech about that, and I thought, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I started um, uh, right away, and it's hard, you know. I came in '97, and so we were here together for uh, for a year or so. And it, you graduated in '98. It, it is amazing to me that you've been gone for uh, for more than ten years now. And uh, uh, but it's also so encouraging to hear about all of the things that that have happened since you've gone back to Izmir and since you've been involved in in ministry there and in church planting. I know uh, lots and lots of people are praying for you and. And uh, some are, are even contributing to your, your work and helping to make that, that possible. Uh, if people want to contact you or find out more about what you're doing uh, in Izmir, uh, how can they find you online? Um, well, we have many. Well, we have a Turkish website, but okay. it's all in Turkish, so they can't find us that way. But, but if they have Turkish friends, they can point them there, perhaps. Yes. All right. I would uh, uh, say contact our mission agency. Okay. It's Global Church Ministries. Globalchurchministries.us. Globalchurchministries.us. That's it for this edition of Office Hours. Thanks for listening. I'm Scott Clark. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Thanks to Young Lee for graphics and Adam Klaus for technical assistance. You can hear all the previous episodes of Office Hours online at wscal.edu slash officehours. Click on Office Hours under Westminster Audio. Don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to Office Hours in iTunes or at wscal.edu slash officehours. Write us at officehours at wscal.edu. Call us at 760-278-1725. Leave a message and we may use it in a future broadcast. For more information about Office Hours or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online or call us at 888-480-8474. Copyright 2010, Westminster Seminary, California. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to our website is preferred.